Well, my name is Bobby Bowen, and I was born October the 28th, 1963 in Texarkana, Texas. And uh, I made my very first stage appearance when I was almost two months old, believe it or not. It was around Christmas time. My dad used to sing uh, the Four States Jubilee there in Texarkana, Texas. And uh, every Saturday night they would have a show and all the locals from around the area would sing country music back then and played guitars and steel guitars and bass guitars and drums and pianos. They'd all get together. They'd have a kind of like a, a mini uh, Grand Ole Opry kind of thing there in Texarkana. And uh, they did it live on the local radio station there in Texarkana. And so my dad, uh, my mom dressed me up in a little Santa Claus suit and took me up there and he took me on the stage and showed me to everybody. I was his firstborn son back in 63 and uh, he showed me to everybody. And I wish I had a picture of it, but I do have audio of it. Uh, he recorded all the, uh, the shows. And uh, so I do have audio of him uh, introducing me uh, as his son there when I was almost two months old. So that was my first uh, appearance on stage, I guess you could say. But uh, I guess when I was about uh, nine or 10 years old, my parents took me to uh, a gospel concert there in Texarkana at the College Auditorium. We went to see the Happy Goodman family. And uh, I had seen uh, pictures of them and seen them on the, the gospel singing Jubilee on TV on Sunday mornings. And it was Howard, Sam, Rusty, and Vestal Goodman. And uh, so when they came out on stage, there was no Vestal with them. There was a, a young guy singing with them. And I thought, hmm, wonder what happened to Vestal? Well, come to find out, she had just had uh, heart surgery. And so she was off the road for a while. So they, they hired this guy to sing in her place. And boy, when he started singing, I thought, is Vestal on the side of the stage singing through a microphone? Because he sounded just like her. His name was Johnny Cook. And so uh, from that point on, uh, I thought, man, when I, when I grow up, I want to I wanna travel in a big old bus like these people, and, and I want to sing like Johnny Cook. So back then, you know, I could sing really high, you know, like he could. But uh, one long, you know, a few years later, 13, 14 years old, my voice started changing. And I was devastated because, you know, I couldn't sing like Johnny Cook anymore. What was I going to do? So uh, it was about that time that my parents had uh, gone to Dallas, Texas to, uh, I think it was the first time, the only time they ever moved the Quartet Convention to Dallas. I think they were just trying a different area and just see how it was going to work. And so my parents uh, drove down there. Of course, I was too young. I stayed at home. And, had to go to school and all that kind of stuff. So they, uh, they went and uh, they came back and they had bought a few records from different groups and stuff. And my dad took his, uh, his uh, tape recorder and recorded some of it and uh, brought it back and was, was really talking about this group that they, they heard there at the Quartet Convention called the Hensons. And so we started playing the records and listening to the, recording the live recording of them and then I thought man these they're they're awesome they're just the style kind of like the Goodmans you know but a little more country sounding and they had a guy singing with them that just had a real good country voice and and uh, Kenny Henson and I thought man I could I think I could probably 
try to sing like him, you know. So it wasn't long after that that I got to go see them myself uh, live. And boy, I just, I was, I fell in love with them. I mean, I, from that point on, uh, everything was the Hensons, you know. Uh, I would, when I got my driver's license, I would drive, you know, 150, 200 miles just to see them if they were close around, that close around. And so uh, just, you know, really idolized Kenny. Of course, a lot of people have over the years. Tried to sing like him, which a lot of people have over the years. But uh, there's only one Kenny Henson, that's for sure. But, you know, um, all that time, my, my young, before teenage and teenage years, I, I, was, I was thinking, boy, when I, when I graduate from high school, I, I want to get on the bus and travel with a group. I want to do that, just what they're doing. And uh, so after I graduated from high school, uh, that year, I think it was 82, 1982. I was, I was singing with my family back then, my, my sister, my brother-in-law, my dad, and a couple of friends. And uh, we were just kind of a regional group, but we were pretty good. You know, uh, you know, we, we sang all the Henson songs and hip hills and Neelands and happy Goodmans and stuff like that. So, uh, we had done a few concerts with uh, a group from Arkansas back then. It was a, a male quartet called the Mid-South Boys. And so we kind of got to know a few of the guys in the group and we sang with them several times. And so uh, in, uh, I believe it was 80, end of 81 or first part of 82, uh, one of the, the founders, the manager of the group, owner of the group, Larry Redkins had gotten cancer. And, uh, you know, he traveled with them as long as he could. And then they got to the point where he just couldn't travel anymore. So uh, in the meantime, they had hired Robbie McGee to play the piano. He, he was the piano player. Larry was, but they hired Robbie to play the piano. And then when, uh, when Larry got too sick to travel, uh, Robbie started singing tenor and their tenor singer back then, Tommy Alexander started, uh, singing more leads and baritones and things. And, and so eventually, uh, Larry passed away and they, uh, had hired two of the guy, actually two of the guys in the group right after Larry had passed away, decided to leave the group and, uh, start their own group. So uh, they, I heard they had hired another guy just to sing the baritone and some lead. And so it was Robbie singing tenor, playing the keyboards, and Tommy Alexander playing the bass and uh, singing leads and, and tenors and stuff. And then uh, they hired a guy named Steve Knight to sing baritone and some leads. And then Stacy McGee was Robbie's brother. He sang bass. And so uh, I heard that they were going to be pretty close to where I grew up in Ashdown, Arkansas. So I went just to hear what they sounded like. And uh, so I, I was there and they took a break, took a, uh, a break halfway through and come out to the record table. And I was talking to uh, Robbie and Stacy. I kind of got to know, know them pretty good just the past year. And uh, so we were just talking and, and uh, they said, well, we're going to Dallas for the rest of the weekend. Uh, how would you like to ride with us? And I was like, yeah, I want to get on that bus and go. So uh, I went and got my clothes and met them back up at town, at Texarkana up there. And, and uh, we took off on the bus and I went the rest of the weekend with them. And they got me up to sing, I think it was Beulah Land. And, uh, and I, then there was a set of drums. We were, we were at the at Siegelville, Texas. I think it was Siegelville Barn. I think that's what it was called, the Gospel Barn. And, and uh, so there was a set of drums up there and I can, you know, I can keep a beat, keep a rhythm. I'm not a drummer, but, uh, I thought, uh, 
well, I'll just sit back here and play drums with them. So when I, when I didn't sing Beulah Land, I was back there playing the drums, which is kind of funny. But anyway, uh, we went back home and they dropped me off in Texarkana. I went back home to Falk, Arkansas, where I lived then. And uh, a couple of days later, they called. One of them called. I forgot who it was. I think it was Tommy. And he said, uh, hey, how would you like? We're going to Houston this weekend to do New Year's Eve concert. How would you like to go with us to Houston? And I said, yeah, that'd be great. He said, well, I want you to learn three songs. He gave me three songs to learn. He said, learn to sing tenor on those songs. I'm a tenor. I'm a, not a tenor singer. And he said, learn to play bass. And so, well, I practiced. I practiced for the next few days. And then uh, they came through Texarkana. And I met them and picked me up on the bus. And we drove down to Houston. Actually, it was Cleveland, Texas, where we were singing at New Year's Eve. And uh, so they got me up during the concert that night to uh, sing those three songs and play bass. And it went real well, real well. So after it was over with, uh, Tommy came up to me and he said, uh, hey, how would you like to go with us full time, you know, and, and play bass and sing? And I, I was like, it didn't take me five seconds to say yes, you know, probably less than that. So I came home and, and told everybody that I was going to be leaving and moving to Sheridan, Arkansas is about two and a half hours away from where I lived. And so it wasn't that far, but uh, anyway, it's a big thing for me, but you know, moving away from home for the very first time. And of course everybody was sad because I was leaving the group that I'd sung with for a few years, my family. And, uh, but I, I thought this is a great opportunity. You know, quartet music back then just wasn't my thing. I, I liked it, but I, you know, I was a country gospel group, you know, the Hensons, the Happy Goodmans, the Hemp Hills, that was my, more my style. But I thought, well, maybe I could just uh, go with these guys and, and we'll sing with some of those groups. And, you know, maybe somebody will leave one of those groups and they'll like me, like the way I sound and sing and play bass. And maybe they'll hire me. Maybe I can just use the, you know, Mid-South Boys as a stepping stone. But uh, a lot of y'all know the rest of the story. I ended up staying there for 15 years. And uh, there were some changes over the years. Uh, Stacy McGee decided to leave the group and uh, not sing bass anymore. So we tried out a few bass singers and just couldn't find anybody that we really liked. So uh, we thought, well, let's, we were doing a trio during that time. And we thought, well, let's just stay a trio, you know? And uh, so Steve Knight left shortly after that. And uh, we hired Tony Turner from uh, Kentucky. And uh, so I'd already had the more country style voice and Tony had a kind of a, a blue grassy country, Southern gospel voice. And Robbie was, he was more uh, into Alabama back then. They were real hot back then. So Robbie started writing songs that were kind of like the feel of Alabama, uh, Diamond Rio, Restless Heart, Eagles, things like that. So uh, we just, we became a, a country gospel trio pretty much. And uh, we had a drummer, uh, Donnie Lewis, and we hired a steel guitar player, Ricky Francis from Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, I played bass and Tony played acoustic and Robbie played the keys. And we had a pretty good band going on there. And uh, so we had signed with Eddie Crook Company and we had a pretty good success with our very first single that we went out uh, as, a, as a trio called Guilty of Loving Me. It was a top 10 song on the singing news charts, which that was awesome for us to have a top 10 song, you know, and, and then we recorded another uh, project and uh, City Lights, or no, actually it was uh, That's My Child and uh, You Did It Again, which was top five songs on the singing news charts from that pro 
project. Then the next year we did City Lights and it was another top 10, top five song. And uh, the next year was uh, Resting Place, which was another top five song. So we were having some pretty good success and we started doing a lot of, you know, big concerts with uh, all the groups we traveled. We did the Hensons, we did the Hemp Hills, we did the Neelands, we did the Kingsman, Gold City, Cathedrals, you name it. We were there, we were singing with all of them. And so we got to know a lot of them real good. And uh, it was a thrill for me to be able to do a concert with the Hensons, you know, back then and hang around with Kenny and talk with him a little bit, my idol, you know. And, uh, but anyway, uh, the Lord was really blessing what we were doing. And eventually uh, we'd signed, we'd left Eddie Crook and signed with Word Records. And we did three projects with Word. Uh, our first one was called uh, Down to Earth and uh, just a totally different uh thing from what we had done before we just pretty much went in the studio with eddie crook and we sang while they played the tracks you know did all the, the music and everything and then they mixed it it was really really a fast process didn't put a whole lot of time into it but then when we signed with word it was just a whole new ball game they had uh uh you know some of the top uh musicians that played on country records and and uh we were in the studio we had the we cut the tracks first and then we went back and did vocals and we spent hours and hours and hours trying to get the vocals right and and just perf more as perfect as we could kind of frustrating you know when you do that but uh anyway it was a different ball game for us and uh what the lord blessed sentiment grace was a, a song off that project now the earth that did really really well and to this day i get people asking me if i can sing sentiment grace it is a great song robbie wrote that one too but uh, then we cut another one, and uh, after that one, and uh, we did uh, Down by the Tabernacle. And uh, we also did a video that played on CMT and the Nashville Network back then. And it was, it was, uh, it was a good thing for us back then. It was a top five song as well. And uh, then our next, well, actually, Tony Turner left shortly after we recorded that project and decided to go on to other uh, things. And... Uh, Kent Humphrey had been singing with the Dixie Melody Boys, a DMB band. And so uh, they had gotten off the road and uh, Kent was just working a job up in Pennsylvania. And, and so when Tony left, he was the first person we called and, and he didn't hesitate either to say yes. So Kent started traveling with us. We recorded uh, another project uh, with Word Records, the last project we did called Lessons of Life. And Kent and I split the lead parts on it, and it's an awesome project. We were trying to get crossover into more uh, of a country thing, and Christian country was coming alive back then, and a lot of people were kind of doing that style, and it was just really taking off. Radio was playing it, and uh, we were on uh, the Nashville network a lot. We did uh, Ralph Emery's show Nashville now a lot back then, and Crook and Chase, and just different things, and uh, it was just really cool. And so uh, that was our last project with Word. And then uh, Warner Brothers signed us. And uh, in the meantime, Robbie McGee had, had left the group right after Warner signed us. And uh, Joe Cook also left, the, our guitar player had left the group. And uh, so uh, we finished that project out without those two guys. And it ended up being one of my favorite projects. That one, Lessons of Life, I think are my favorite projects. We actually got to play, uh, on this the very first time we got to play on a full project and uh, Warner allowed us to do that and uh, I think it just turned out awesome and uh, we had a song off that 
project that actually crossed over into uh, secular pop radio, which was totally out of our league. We had no plans of doing that. We thought country was the way we were going, but uh, Warner Brothers in Los Angeles got a hold of the uh, pre-release copy of our, our new project, uh, Give What It Takes, and, and they said, there's a song on there that we, thought, we think is going to do real well, and we want to put it out on secular pop radio. And so uh, they did, and shortly after they did, about a month or so after they did, they let us know that our song had debuted at number 23 on the pop charts on Billboard magazine. So we all rushed out and got us one. And sure enough, there it was at number uh, 23. And I think it was, uh, it was sitting there between Madonna and Stevie Wonder of all people. So that was pretty cool seeing us on the same chart with Stevie Wonder, Madonna, Chicago, the Eagles, James Taylor. It was just really, really cool. And uh, that song, uh, Without You Having Got a Prayer, won a Dove Award that year for Country Recorded Song of the Year. We made a video that uh, it probably still plays on uh, CMT, uh, probably three or four in the morning if you want to catch it. If you want to stay up all night, you might see it maybe once a month or something like that. But anyway, Lord blessed us uh, with that song, and it just, you know, it was pretty cool what happened with that song. So um, we did another project with Warner Brothers. It was the last project we did. And Larry Stewart uh, with Restless Heart, the lead singer for Restless Heart, actually produced that project. It was a great project, too. Had some great songs on it. Uh, we did another video called De Definition of Love that uh, also played on CMT, and it was a really cool, fun video we did. But uh, shortly after we did that project, released all that stuff, uh, Warner decided to let us go. They decided they didn't want to try to do anything else, didn't want to put any more money into us. They had some personnel changes going on too. Some some things were going on there with the label. So they let us go. And uh, we were pretty devastated. Uh, after that happened, our, our management uh, uh, quit us. Our booking agent quit us. We lost our record label. Uh, things just weren't looking too good. Uh, we had one date booked for uh, 1998 and uh, in Canada. And that was it. You know, we were like, could this be the end? So we all thought about it. We talked about it. We prayed about it. And we all decided that, yeah, I think it's time for us to, you know, we've tried and tried and tried. And I, I think this is the end of our rope here. So October of 1997, we decided to, to end it out and everybody just go do their separate things and get jobs and, or stay on the road, whatever they wanted to do. Everybody just went and did that. And so, uh, I was working a part-time job while I was still with Mid-South there toward the end with a, there was a guy in my church that had a direct mail business. So I started working a, a print machine. I was printing labels on envelopes and cards and we were sending out a bunch of mail. And so when the Mid-South job uh, finally ended, this guy hired me full-time and I was so grateful for that. And my wife and I started having kids. And, and so uh, that just, you know, I was working in my church, running sound, just, you know, just get really involved in, in the music department of church and sound and everything. So God was blessing my family. I, you know, I'd had uh, three, three kids, I think at that time. And, and uh, so I had a 40th birthday party. My, my wife surprised me on my 40th birthday. And uh, she had a bunch of people from church show up. My parents came up from Arkansas, uh, 
the guys, a lot of guys I travel with, with Mid-South were there to surprise me. They had a stage set up. We got up, we sang a bunch of songs and it was just really a fun time. Well, after everybody left and, you know, there was a few people left and, and Kent and his brother Jason was hanging around and, and, uh, so they, they said, we want to talk to you for a second. So I went over and was talking to them and they told me that they really wanted to uh, start a group up again. And, and uh, I was excited. I said, yeah, man, count me in. I want to do it too. So we started a group, Kent and I and Jason, his brother, called Heritage Road. And uh, it was just pretty much a, a Mid-South uh, reincarnated group. Same sound, same classic Mid-South sound and everything. So we did that for about three or four years. We, we did three or four projects and uh, they, they were really good really successful things we did. We, we never went full time with it. We were just part time. I was still working a, a job and just going out on the weekends and singing with Kent and Jason. And uh, so back in the last part of 2007, I just felt like the Lord was, was calling me into full time music ministry again. And so uh, I was scared to death to try to do anything on my own, go out on my own and, uh, because I'd never had to do any of the booking. I'd never had to do any of the talking on stage. I didn't have to manage the group or anything. I just, you know, I showed up with my bass guitar, drove the bus, played, sang, uh, unloaded the equipment, set up, ran the sound, tore down, loaded up, hit the bus again, did the same thing all the time. I never had to do the, the business side of it. And so uh, the thought of me having to take care of all that was just, uh, I just thought, I can't do that. But uh, I decided to uh, send out a few emails and just see what would happen. So I started getting back some, some positive feedback. They said, yeah, we'd love to have you come sing in our church. So my first, uh, my first gig was in Michigan, close to where my wife grew up. So uh, naturally, I took the whole family with me. We got in the van. We took off up there. And going through Indiana, I was... Uh, the Lord was talking to me and, and I looked in my rearview mirror and I saw the kids sitting back there in their car seats, my wife sitting over in the passenger side. And so uh, the Lord was just telling me, you know what? I don't want you to do it on your own. I want you to take your family with you and I want you to travel and sing like that. So from that point on, uh, I looked at my wife actually in the, in the van when we were driving down the road and, and uh, I said, I feel like the Lord's telling me that we need to travel like this as a family. And, and her eyes got real big and, and uh, she said, I, I feel like he's telling me that too. So from that point on, we became the Bobby Bowen family band and uh, my kids grew up, of course, and started playing instruments and singing more. And, and uh, it is what it is today. The Lord just really blessed us. And uh, we've made several CDs and projects and, and uh, just we've met a lot of people you know, over the years. This is our 12th year of traveling as a family. And it's just really cool to be able to do it. God has blessed me. He has definitely blessed me. You know, the Bible says uh, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And my desire when I was just 10 or 11 years old was to get on a big old bus and travel and sing gospel music. And I remember that night in Texarkana that when I saw the Happy Goodman family and and walked up to the, the record table after his old with and Howard Goodman was standing there and he reached his hand down to shake my hand and and I put my little bitty hand in his big old hand and and I you know I thought I'm never gonna 
washed this hand again. Howard Goodman shook my hand and, and Rusty Goodman, they were all really nice. Rusty Goodman took me and my sisters, my dad to their bus and showed us, showed us their bus. And it had that purple velour inside of it. And I remember a little TV up there with Johnny Carson on and he, he reached in the refrigerator and gave us all a, a can of Coke. And it was just, you know, I was just, I thought, this is it. This is what I want to do. And the Lord did give me the desires of my heart. And I was able to do that. And I'm still doing it. And I love it. I love traveling. I love singing for the Lord. And I'm not going to stop until he tells me I'm done or until he comes back and takes me to heaven. And then I'm going to sing when I'm in heaven too. So that's pretty much my story. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope it uh, encouraged uh, some of you folks out there that would like to travel full time. And you just got to just gotta keep on keeping on and always keep God first in everything that you do. And he'll take care of the rest. God bless you. Uh, I hope to see y'all out there on the road somewhere. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.